Hello there. This episode is called Idioms Game and Chat with Andy Johnson. And you can hear a conversation with friend of the podcast, Andy Johnson from the London School of English. You'll also hear loads of idiomatic expressions just coming up naturally in the conversation. And uh, since recording this, I've listened back to it and I counted at least 25 idioms being used. I'll be going through them all in this episode after about 40 minutes of conversation. So watch out for some idioms and then keep listening to hear me explain them all. Um, I hope you enjoy the episode. And just before the jingle, let me mention my sponsor, italki, who support this podcast. If you're looking for a one-to-one teacher or conversation partner to have your own rambling conversations in English, to improve your vocabulary or grammar, or prepare for a job interview or an exam, then you should check out italki because that's where you can find teachers that can help you. Also, there's a big community of people there who share ideas, advice and experiences. You can learn lots of different languages on italki. Uh, It's not just English, there's loads of languages. And so the community of people using it is from around the world. And that includes places like the UK. Um, So it's possible, for example, to organise language exchanges uh, which are free with English speakers who might want to learn your language. Or you can just get paid lessons from qualified teachers if that suits you better. And remember, italki are offering all my listeners a free lesson. Uh, You need to use my special link to get that. It's teacherluke.co.uk slash talk. Or you can click an italki logo on my website. And here's a comment I got on the website just the other day from a Lepster who's clearly enjoying italki. Um, And the comment went like this. I just want to say uh, that thanks to italki, I've met some very good friends. Don't hesitate to try it, people. And that was from Mikhail Pesek or Mikhail Peshek or Mikhail Pesek. I'm not sure how to pronounce your name, Mikhail. But anyway, it seems that Mikhail has been enjoying using italki uh, and sort of making friends with people uh, in the community there. So there you go, folks. Check it out. Uh, Now then, let's get started with the episode. And here's the jingle. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks. In this episode, I'm talking again to Andy Johnson from the London School of English. And while we're talking, we're going to play an idioms game so that you can practice your listening with this conversation and also learn some natural English expressions in the process. Andy is here with me. All right, Andy. Hello. How's everyone doing? I'm sure everyone's doing fine. I'm speaking for everyone there. Andy, I'm going to do the introduction to this episode now. Excellent. With you here in the background, okay? Mm-hmm. I hope it won't be too long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll sit here quietly writing down idioms that I'm going to say later. Okay, good. You've got wa- Have you got water? I've got water. I've got cake. I've got um, biscuits. And o- I've got coffee. Oxygen. A little bit of oxygen, yeah. Okay, good. So, I'm going to do the introduction. Sometimes I will check in on you, Andy, just to see if you're still there, that you're okay with what I've said, that you're still alive, and so on, okay? No worries. All right, so, Andy Johnson has been on this podcast a couple of times before, but if you haven't heard those episodes, here is some intel on Andy J to bring you up to speed. This is the Andy Johnson fact file. Andy, you can you can verify whether all of this is true or not. 
Okay. Andy Johnson started out working in marketing before becoming an English teacher. True. This is true. He's been teaching English for a number of years. I think it's about 15 years now. It is 15 years, yeah. Correct. Bang. He did the Delta qualification at the same college as me. Where did you do your Delta? (laughs) You don't remember where you did yours? I know where I did mine, but did you do yours at UCL? Yes, UCL. All right, yeah, we did it at the same place. What what does UCL stand for? Uh, University College London. And where is that University College? It's in London. Okay. And he has worked for the London School of English, which is also in London, for over 10 years. Right? Correct. Correct. First as a teacher and now as the director of London School Online. That's the London School's online operation. And yes, I'm calling it an operation, which, which makes it sound either like they're surgeons or special agents. And perhaps they are somehow a combination of both of those things, but for online English courses. London School Online offer various online courses for learners of English and other things of that nature. Get more details at londonschoolonline.com. Is that right? That's correct. And there's even a video of me talking about LondonSchoolOnline.com. Really? At LondonSchoolOnline.com. <laughs> okay, there you go. You can get all that information. Uh, I think we did the plugs there, didn't we? We did. We did all right there. We did all right there. We did yeah. all right there. On Andy is a runner. He runs marathons, which is great considering he nearly lost a leg when he was younger. And when I say lost a leg, I don't mean that he just couldn't find it for a while. Like, oh, where's my leg? I put it down earlier. And I, oh, there it is. Oh, I nearly lost a leg there. No. I mean, he nearly had to have it removed permanently, which sounds like it was very frightening and horrible. And there is a, an emotional and inspirational story that explains what happened, which you can hear if you listen to episode blah, number. I don't remember the number. Do you remember? Uh, no, no. I know <laughs> that we recorded it last summer. That's all I know. <laughs> It's episode 472, which is called Andy's Survival Story, Why Andy Runs Marathons, episode 472. Anyway, check the episode archive. Uh, You can uh, find out about Andy and his marathon running. So despite an early issue with his leg, Andy is a runner. And in fact, at the moment, he's training for the London Marathon, which happens next month. Is that correct? Yep. April the 22nd. Okay, I'm getting all of these right. You are doing very well. It's like you've prepared. I'm I'm impressed by your level of research. Andy is married and has two children who are boys. He sometimes (laughs) steps on pieces of their Lego, which I understand is incredibly painful. Yeah, that's true. Lego comes from Denmark, but Andy Johnson is half Swedish. But (laughs) Sweden and Denmark are both Scandinavian countries, so the link still works somehow. However, this doesn't lessen the pain he experiences when he steps on on Lego. If anything, it makes it worse. Does it really? It just brings it home, how painful it is. Yeah, it's from our near neighbours inflicting pain on us. It it makes it worse. Is there a Scandinavian-Danish rivalry? There is a little bit. In the south of Sweden, there's an area called Skorna, which is a a large area in the the south and... um, it's uh, it's the part that is closest to Denmark, and that part of Sweden really identify with the Danes, and they've to the point where they've got their own flag, which is like a mix between the Swedish flag and the Danish flag, and it's a red flag with a yellow cross on it, and uh, so they're they're obviously quite keen on the Danes, but as, as I think as a as a country, 
Um, the Danes are seen as quite cosmopolitan, quite friendly neighbours. The the beef, if Swedes have beef with anybody, it's with the Norwegians. Andy has a good joke about Swedish military ships having barcodes so that when they come into port, they can Scandinavian, which sounds like Scandinavian. It's a good joke, despite the way I just told it then. It was a good joke once upon a time until you told it just now. <laughs> just ruined it for everyone. <laughs> just ruined it. Uh, as an English teacher, Andy, often... Uh, I'm talking about you in the third person, even though you're here, which is a bit yeah. weird. But as an English teacher, Andy often attends teaching conferences where he presents talks to other English teaching professionals. Previously, we talked about his talk on millennials in the English language classroom, which he has done at various conferences, including the IATEFL conference, which is a bit like the Glastonbury Festival, but for English teaching. There it is. There it is. But with less toilets. Uh, Andy also looks a bit like Moby, the American musician, DJ, record producer, singer, songwriter, photographer and animal rights activist, but a better dressed version. Sometimes people mistake him for Moby with hilarious results, as we've yep. heard on the podcast before. So Andy is like a better-dressed, half-Swedish, half-English, English-teaching Moby lookalike who runs marathons, steps on his kid's Lego, and talks about teaching English to millennials at conferences. But he's so much more than that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. Can I just, I, the only thing I'd take um, issue with there mm -hmm. is when you say he steps on his children's Lego. It makes you sound like I do it deliberately. <laughs> I, I, I have not, I'm yet to step on my kid's Lego deliberately. It's always accidental and it's always painful. Yeah, yeah, horrible. Okay. So there you go. Now, um, as well as having a conversation, which we will eventually get round to doing, in this episode, we've also decided to play a game as a way of including a language focus, in this case, idioms. And uh, listeners, you have to spot at least six idiomatic phrases in this conversation, although there will definitely be more than six. Andy and I have both chosen three idioms to include in our conversation. Um, you've got your idioms, Andy? I've already used one. I think I might have jumped the gun a you've, bit there. Really? There's another one. You jumped the gun. Yeah. Okay. You may have already used one. Well, we haven't started properly yet. Well, should I, should I explain what the idiom was? So yes, people please. get an idea yes, of what the game was. So you were asking me about Denmark and, and, and Sweden. And I said that if Swedes have beef with anyone, it's the Norwegians. So that was my idiom there, to have beef with someone. Mm. How would you explain what that means then? It means that you have a bit of a rivalry or if you have a bit of an issue with them, for example. Uh, I think it's an American English idiom, but it's used quite a lot in English, 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 proper English, you know. Yeah nowadays but if you have beef with someone you've got a bit of a, a problem with them or a bit of an issue with them yeah it's like you're holding a grudge against them or kind or, of yeah. Or you, yeah you have like a, um, a score to settle like maybe they did they maybe they said something about your your mum you know yeah. and then and as a result you're gonna i don't know shoot them that's how these well, things work isn't it, it it's it's um that's a little extreme that's it's how it works with... in the rap game <laughs> which is the game that we play uh, but in the way that um in england we have a joke about an englishman an irishman and a scotsman and the irishman is always the fool he's always the idiot in the same way in sweden that the norwegian is the fool and the idiot 
Right. And okay. maybe your Swedish or Norwegian listeners will correct me, but that certainly was my experience when I lived there. I've heard that too. Not, not that they're idiots, but that Swedes were the, used them as the butt of a joke. Right. That there's a kind of a rivalry between the Norwegians and the Swedes, or something, some bad blood between the two of them. Not a lot, but a, a little bit. Okay. So, yeah, the Swedes have got a, some beef with the Norwegians for some reason there. Okay. All right. So... Uh, remember, ladies and gents, idioms are fixed expressions with a particular meaning, a meaning that might not be obvious when you take them on face value. For example, to have beef with someone, it doesn't mean you're sharing a burger. Uh, it would mean that um, you've just got, uh, I don't know, like a, a bad feeling or some sort of um, resentment or grudge, a grudge issue an issue with someone exactly okay uh so the meaning of the phrase is different from the words used in the expression they don't have a literal meaning really common idioms um which you probably already know uh, everyone are things like that was a piece of cake meaning that was easy or it's just not my cup of tea meaning i don't really like it and those two are really common and well-known ones that just happen to involve food a third example and we had beef as well which is another food related one um, uh, another example might be, well, you've really hit the nail on the head there. So to hit the nail on the head, um, which we use when someone has made exactly the right comments, that's the, you know, the sort of comment which perfectly explains or sums up the situation. Well, you've really hit the nail on the head there, for example. So Andy and I have both chosen three idioms, but we haven't told each other what they are yet. And we're going to play a little game while taking part in the conversation. Um, the introduction is nearly finished. The rules of the game are this. First of all, we have to seamlessly include the idioms into the conversation. We should try to find a way to include the idioms in a natural way so that they're used correctly for the context of the conversation and not too obviously. They shouldn't stick out like a sore thumb, for example. You can't just shoehorn them in. Exactly. Whoa, two other idioms there, to stick out like a sore thumb and to... Oh, that, was another, that was another one of my three. Was oh. that another one? What, to shoehorn oh, I'm going to have to think some new ones now. Ah. Oh. Sticking out like a sore thumb. Imagine if you've hit your thumb with a hammer, it would swell up and go all big and it would stick out. It would be really obvious. Well, if something sticks out uh, unnaturally, you could say it sticks out like a sore thumb. And to shoehorn something in is like a way of forcing something into something else. Like if, you, if you're trying to put your, trying to put on a shoe that's too small, you need an ob uh, a tool called a shoehorn, which allows you to squeeze your foot into the shoe to shoehorn something in. But it's used here to mean to sort of force something into something that doesn't really want to go in. Yeah. And I think like, uh, I think like a lot of idioms, the, the idiom uses an expression that, or a, an item in the expression that we don't really use anymore. Do you do you own a shoehorn, Luke? No, I've never ever used a shoehorn. Never used one. No, they used to be quite popular back in the day, and yeah. they're like a, almost like a long spoon or something. And you'd you'd put your you put it in between your heel and the back of the shoe, and then you'd sort of pivot your foot into your shoe. Mm. But um, no, I don't. I don't. We we don't have one either. But it's quite often the case that you get these idioms that use these expressions that for items that we just no longer use anymore. Yeah. I'm trying to think of another one now, but I'm, I'll think of it, I'll write it down, and I'll slip it into the conversation later. So the rules. Include the idioms in a natural way. That yes, was rule exactly. One. What um, was the second rule? Both of us have to try and identify which idioms we chose, and when we hear them, write them down. So, for example, when we start our conversation, Andy, which is going to happen soon, mm -hmm. um, if I think you're, you've used one of the idioms that you've written down, I have to write it down. 
So I've got to try and identify the ones that you've pre-prepared, you see. Okay. And at the end of the conversation, we will state which idioms we thought were the pre-prepared ones. And for each correctly identified pre-prepared idiom, we get a point. A point, okay. It is possible and indeed encouraged to slip in some other idioms as distractions, but these must not be pre-prepared. All right, right. so those are the distraction ones, but I've got to identify the ones that you've pre-prepared. So basically, I have to spot Andy's three pre-prepared idioms, and he has to spot my three pre-prepared idioms. A strategy could be this, to insert your pre-prepared idioms into the conversation without them being too obvious, while perhaps attempting to distract each other or tempt each other with other idioms that we just include on the spur of the moment. This This is far more complicated than it should have been. You know what, Andy? Sometimes I th- I think that my attempts to help sometimes just have the opposite effect. And they just make everyone more confused. You made me more confused. <laughs> Basically, ladies and gents, watch out for some idioms. We'll go through them at the end. Okay? Excellent. All right. Good, good luck. Godspeed. Yes. So, anyway, Andy, how are you doing? I'm very well. I'm very well. How are you? Very well, too. Thanks. The sun is shining. Uh, winter is nearly finished so that's nice if you if you've been because we're talking on well we're talking sort of the middle of march and have you been affected or were you affected by what they called in england the beast from the east the beast from the east okay i think it's necessary to just explain the beast from the east this is the name given to a cold weather system that's uh, swept across the united kingdom recently extraordinarily cold weather that actually came from the east and actually came from Russia, from Siberia to be exact. So very cold weather was blown across in the direction of the United Kingdom. It doesn't normally happen. So it was quite extraordinary. Uh, We got Siberian weather hitting the United Kingdom, which brought obviously very cold conditions, snow and other difficulties. Uh, The UK is not used to uh, dealing with Siberian weather. So naturally, the whole of the United Kingdom panicked. And uh, the newspapers all across the country were going on and on about the beast from the east. A beast is another word for a monster, basically, like a, uh, yeah, a beast, a monster, like a big, dangerous creature. In this case, the beast from the east. So they're just talking about this cold weather system that came across from Siberia. It actually combined with a storm that was hitting the southwest of the UK. The storm was called Storm Emma. And the beast from the east and Storm Emma collided to create really, really awful weather conditions, which caused chaos across the country, particularly in the southwest. And a number of airports were closed and uh, other uh, difficulties were caused by the beast from the east. All right? Well, Yes, I was personally affected by the beast from the east because we had planned to fly back to the UK to see my parents a couple of weeks ago. Uh, They live in the Midlands, so we Mm. were going to fly into Birmingham Airport with the baby and stuff. It would have been her first flight, and so that was a bit kind of stressful. We had to kind of get her to the airport, and there was the the stress of going through the airport with a baby and and all that stuff, and, uh, and this big storm big sort of snowstorm this cold weather storm coming from siberia i think mm. which uh the press in the uk had had called the beast from the east 
in in France, the weather was nice, but in Birmingham that day it was snowing heavily and there was a lot of wind. So our flight got cancelled at the last minute, oh, and it was no. yeah, it was chaos in the airport, and we had to do loads of queuing. We did sort of four hours of queuing to try and get ourselves on another flight, and in the end, Air France put us in a hotel, and um, they they put us up in a hotel. Uh, until um, another flight became available in the at the end of the day, and then that one got cancelled. So then we just went home. So literally, we spent ten hours just in airport land uh, for oh, no reason, and then, we, and then we had to go home. So yeah, the beast from the east swept in and cancelled all our flights. So uh, denying us the chance to go home and see my parents that was annoying. What about you? Uh, I can't remember. It was fine. I think it was cold, um, but you know, it was the first time that. My kids had seen snow, so that was exciting. Oh yes! So we took them out and threw snowballs around and slipped and slid, slipped and slided around. It was good, but yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing as dramatic as that because I was just, you know, I was just going to work, so, so it was easy. It was annoying because in France the weather was actually quite nice, but um, so it was really weird. You know, the sun was shining, but obviously two hours away in Birmingham, it was all snowy. And and, and, and have you used any of the idioms yet? No, neither have I. No, neither have I. No, I'm wondering if how this is. I'm looking at my list of idioms, thinking, "How am I going to use these? They've got nothing to do with snow and and." uh, Or have I? Maybe I have used uh, an idiom. ah. Maybe I have. I I haven't. I haven't. Okay. So that was that was the beast from the east. Yeah. What else? Well, what about you? Have you been uh, mistaken for Moby recently? (laughs) You know what? I think since we last spoke on this podcast, I have actually. Mm-hmm. And it was a weird one because it was it was back in the summer, and um, it was I think it was the weekend of the Notting Hill Carnival, so the end of August. Um, and for those of you that don't know the Notting Hill Carnival, it's a it's like kind of a big event that actually goes ahead just on the doorstep, actually, of where um, Luke and I used to work together, where I still work at the London School, and um, it it's. It's over the long summer weekend, long August bank holiday weekend. And I think as a result, a lot of people just drink too much. And it, 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 it's a bit of a weird time to be in London because you kind of it's a, it's like um, have you ever seen The Walking Dead? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit like that with people just kind of aimlessly shuffling around because they've drunk so much or they've taken something else, perhaps. Yes. And um, we were walking back from the park, Natasha, my wife and I and the two kids. And I was up ahead with with my eldest because he was on his bike. And there was this couple walking towards us and they'd clearly been drinking all day. And this guy kind of stops me, like physically grabs me and he says, you know who you look like? You look like Fat Boy Slim. Uh, and I just was. I looked at him and I was like, uh, "Okay, all right, thanks." Because I, you know, I, I, he was a bit, he was a bit weird. And I, I carried on walking with with um, my son because he'd just gone off ahead. And he was like, "This guy was like, yeah, fat boy slim." <laughs> I thought, well, that's a new one. No one has ever said I look like him before because I don't look anything like him. And then my wife, who was walking maybe twenty meters behind me because she was she was carrying um, our, our little our little son. Um, he stopped her and he said, don't you think he looks like Fat Boy Slim? 
And my, my wife said, no, but people think he looks like Moby. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, that's what I meant. He looks like Moby. And then he turns around and he shouts up the street to me, you look like Moby. I meant Moby. <laughs> And I was like, oh, God. Oh, my so, goodness. So, yeah, so it does It does still happen. You're a bit of a dead ringer for Moby, it has to be said. It's the cross-eyed um, bear. Sorry? It's the cross-eyed bear. It's the, it's the cross you bear, is it? Okay. Yeah, don't write that one down. <laughs> um, I'm going to write it down because we may have to uh, explain that one afterwards. Okay. And uh, what about your kids? Do, do your kids look uh, like any pop stars then? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> At Christmas, we went to see some friends at Christmas, and um, my son did actually get mistaken for somebody else. Oh, really? Um, yeah, we, we went to see some friends of ours in this little village called Balcombe, which is it's kind of halfway between London and Brighton. It's a lovely, lovely little place. We've got some very good friends there. It was a Saturday night, and we were like, what are we going to do tonight? I mean, bearing in mind, they've got two kids and we've got two kids, so we were never going to go out exactly. But uh, my friend Tom's like, well, we're going to go to the pub because they've, they've got a Santa there in the beer cellar. Santa in a beer in, cellar? In the beer cellar, yeah. So it, quite often in these these old pubs in particular, they, they have a downstairs in the cellar where it's all kind of cold and dark and a bit... Uh, damp that's where they keep the beer because that's the best kind of um conditions for it mm. so i was like okay we'll go and see the center in the beer cellar and we got there and um so we were standing outside the pub and they had a christmas tree and they were singing carols and stuff and they had one of those trap doors so you know the way quite often outside pubs there's a trap door on the pavement and you open it up and then you can roll the barrels down into the cellar right and this particular pub had like a, a wooden slide, a ramp that they'd roll the barrels down. And what they were doing is they were charging like five pounds for your child to slide down the beer ramp. Right. So I was like, Ezra, we're going to do it. Even if you don't want to do it, I want to do it. <laughs> How often, you know, when do you ever get a chance to slide into a beer cellar? So I thought, let's do it. So I took him down, slid him down. And it was surprisingly fast and actually hurt my back when I landed. Oh, you both slid down together? Yeah, yeah. I had to have him on my lap. Right, yeah. And so we were were sitting at the top of the slide and this woman who I'd just given my five pounds to, she's like, um, she's like, just make sure you don't bang your head on the beam as you go down. (laughs) And I I hadn't even noticed that there was this big, like, stone beam, like, at head level. So I had to more or less go down completely on my back. Yeah like clutching my son on my chest. And that's why I kind of slid across the floor and hurt my back when we landed. Anyway, so we get to the bottom of the slide. And Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus. Yeah. This man dressed as Santa Claus was sitting there. No, it was Santa. I'm sure it was the real Santa. No, no, obviously. Yeah. yeah, Obviously it was, yeah. That's, you know, he was a busy man. But, you know, he made made the time to come to a little pub in, in rural England. He took some time out to sit in a beer cellar. Do you reckon they said, look, you can have as much beer as you want, just sit in this cellar for this afternoon? Well, it's funny you say that, because the guy was clearly half cut, and he was sitting on his barrel quite, you know, Mm. tipsy, if you like. Two sheets to the wind. Two sheets to the wind. And um, as I write down, two sheets (laughs) to the wind. Um and uh, so anyway so we went up uh, i had ezra with me and he says he's like what's your name then and ezra said ezra and he went oh ezra 
that's a very pretty name. And I was like, oh, hang on a second. Mm. And he went, have you been a good girl, Ezra? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, boy, oh, boy. He was like, oh, I'm sorry. Santa's always doing that. So um, Santa's a yeah. cockney. Santa's a cockney. Santa's a drunk cockney. Um, but, yeah, so, okay, Ezra's not, Ezra's not been, my son hasn't been mistaken for Moby yet, but he has been mistaken for a girl on did, a couple of occasions. Did Ezra notice no, he didn't care. He didn't care. No, but it got it, it got me thinking. I was like, why did he think he was a girl? Because he wasn't wearing a dress or he wasn't wearing anything that was particularly suggesting that he was a girl. He had like his, his coat on and his jeans and he had he had like a little beanie on, a little woolly hat. But um, yeah, so it kind of it kind of got me thinking because it's not the first time that that's happened. Mm. He's, he's been out. He's got this. Um, my wife bought him a little push chair because yeah. he. Because he, he kind of really got fixated on the fact that I would always take him running in our in our buggy, in our pushchair. So when I was training for last year, when he was smaller, when he would still go in the buggy, I used to run with him and we'd go out for like 10, 15 kilometers or whatever. And he'd sit in the buggy and he'd sing away. Wow. So he kind of really liked the idea of having a buggy of his own to push. So my wife bought him one, but it's bright pink because, hmm. you know, it's this, this whole gender neutral thing. So he he takes it out and he's got like a little giraffe that he he buckles in and he's really careful and he pushes this this buggy around all the time. So he quite often gets mistaken for a girl when he's got that. And he's, he's, because he's pe- about with people see him with his little pink push chair and they just assume that he's a girl because the push chair is pink. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Right. And it's it's difficult. I mean, I was going to ask you actually with with your daughter. Where do you where do you stand on? gender neutral clothing i mean what i mean by that is do you because when we before it's, it's quite common before you have a child if you don't know what you're having but mm. you, you knew you were having a girl we knew we were having a girl yeah for a so while so when you were buying clothes and getting ready did you buy girl stuff because we didn't know what we were having so we just bought a load of gender gender neutral stuff so of white baby grows and stuff like that yeah we and it bought, was great we we bought a lot of just neutral clothing so my wife and i both agree that um well we we don't really like that super super girly stuff you know like really pink things with like lots of um flower flowers or you know the other typical sorts of designs that you would associate with the uh, you know girls clothing traditionally mm. so we tend to just buy her stuff that's yeah fairly neutral and she's got some clothes that could be worn by a boy or a girl part of the reason for that is because we were thinking well if we have another one and yeah. it's a boy, then we want to be able to recycle the clothes. So, you know, we kind of buy stuff that, you know, either a boy or a girl could wear. And mm. also, a lot of the clothes that we like are just sort of fairly, I don't know, neutral in colour, neutral in style. Yeah, and and a lot yeah. of the French brands, like uh, something like Petit Bateau, a lot of their stuff is quite neutral in yeah. style anyway. So, yeah, I mean... It's we haven't made a distinct effort to to push the gender neutral thing in in the way that we've been dressing her, but just in terms of our taste, I think we prefer stuff that is a bit more I don't know plain, you yeah. know, in style. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have Have you ever? Because people always get you loads of clothes for the kids when they're, when they're little. Have 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 um, Have you been given a present and you thought there's no way I'm going to let my daughter wear that? Uh, to be honest, yeah, a couple of you things. can't tell the story, can you? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know who's going to be listening to this. Um, I, okay, uh, a couple of friends of friends 
people I don't really know. That sounds like I'm distancing, you know, doesn't it? <laughs> we got a couple of gifts from like, uh, I don't know, like friends of my parents. Yeah. And uh, very, very sweet, but just the sort of thing that we wouldn't have bought. And yeah. That we probably wouldn't uh, dress her in. So, yeah, a couple of things that we won't be dressing her in. And, yeah, often the very, very, very sort of mega pink, mega mm. girly stuff with, like, kind of certain designs on them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to remember what we bought you now. Yeah. Uh, I, we, I, think it was, I think it was pink. And... Well, we don't mind pink per se, but it's, it's just a I can't remember girly. what it was. No, you, you, um, you gave us some, some really nice things, like uh, including some baby grows with Paddington Bear on them which I That's think you, right. you had for, for Ezra. Um, mm. And I think you kept the one for the day that he was born because he, he, the, these baby grows have all got days of the week written on them and a little yeah. picture of Paddington Bear. That's really nice. Very tasteful mm. stuff. They've been very useful. She's still uh, wearing Apart one. from you've got, you've got a missing day, obviously. We've got a missing, we the, we've got we a kept missing the Sunday day. one. But we haven't really respected the days. Because you know the way it is. Sometimes you're like, Dash shit, I need a I need a baby grow now. This one, it's yeah. it says Sunday. I don't care. Yeah. It's clean. It's like, did you ever have those socks with the days of the week on? Yeah. Oh man, that was a minefield. And they get mixed up all over the place. They get mixed up so you're wearing like a Monday on one foot and a Wednesday on the other, and it's actually Friday. Oh, you just have to give up then. Yeah, that's right. But they, they used to cause me undue stress in the morning, so I was trying to find a matching pair for the right day, and it just it just didn't work. But on on the point of of, of girls' clothes in particular, I remember this happened to us a few years ago. Our friends had um, a little girl, mm-hmm. and we bought um, it was like a little denim skirt, but she was bigger than we realised. So by the time when we when we finally got to see them and we gave them the gift, I mean she was she wasn't like really little. She was maybe four years old at this point. I got a message from my mate saying, "Listen, it's really nice of you to have bought the present, but she looks a bit like a streetwalker." <laughs> wait, wait, wait! <laughs> What's like... a streetwalker? You're gonna you're gonna have to spell it <laughs> out. A streetwalker. So okay, I mean he was joking, but it was it was it was too small for her, and it was so short that it made him it made her look like. A lady of the night, if uh-huh. you like. Uh-huh. Uh, do I need to elaborate more than that? A lady of the night. Now, I think we can. I think we can guess what that that means. So, so it's a tough one. I mean, gender a- neutral clothing is a tough one. But as you say, I mean, if, you, if you're if you're thinking of having another child, then it's it's definitely the way to go. Yeah, I think so. And it's a it's a thing that you know a lot of people are talking about these days. You know, issues, gender issues are, are so um, pervasive these days all over the place and it's it's also still a very controversial thing that people get very uh, uptight about gender issues and gender neutrality there's the there are the people who are kind of pushing for gender neutrality and then those people who seem to get very upset about it and um, react quite strongly to it you see a lot of that kind of thing happening on social media whenever mm. there's a story in the press about something gender related that you see in the comments section there's always lots of people sort of losing their minds a- about it and stuff like that it reminds me of um is it, it was international women's day recently it was yeah. and what's amazing is how many trolls creep out of the woodwork on international women's day and they say things like Oh, well, why don't we have an International Men's Day and yeah. things like that? And it, it, there, there is actually an International Men's Day in November. But um, 
there's this guy in this country actually called Richard Herring who does a podcast as well. You must know him because yeah, yeah. We, we've spoken about him before. He Richard, has a, um, Richard Herring, yeah. His podcast is called Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcasts, or Rahilastapur, as the cool kids call it. <laughs> uh, Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. He's a comedian, and he interviews other comedians on his podcast. Mm. And uh, it's it's good fun. It's a mixture of often quite serious conversation and completely stupid nonsense. He's got a book of emergency questions, yeah, that's which right. I guess he pulls out when whenever he's kind of. Uh, can't think of uh, the right question to ask and the emergency questions are all really stupid kind of would you rather kind of questions yeah can you remember any of his emergency questions uh i think his most famous one is would you rather have a hand made out of ham or an armpit that dispenses sun cream an armpit that dispenses sun cream or a hand made out of ham yeah okay i i i would have the armpit that dispenses sun cream of course you would. It's it's the obvious choice. I mean, but it, it does. It, with these guests, they can they 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 can ask us whatever supporting questions they want. So, mm. for example, the hand will grow back if you eat it. But oh, it'll take it'll take a few days. So if you <laughs> and, eat, if you eat if you're feeling a bit peckish and yeah. you eat your thumb, the thumb yeah. will grow back after a couple of days. Yeah. So you exactly. could you could feasibly survive on your own hand. Yeah, and how it doesn't. If you're a vegetarian, it it it's fine because you're not actually eating an animal; you're eating yourself. Okay, but it is ham. It's ham, it's though. <laughs> ham is, is is is. Does that mean that that every time you eat part of your hand, that part of a pig gets taken away somewhere in the world? No, it's your body. It's coming out of you. It's human ham. It's man ham. It's man ham. That's right. <laughs> and then the, the, with the um, the sun cream, it's about a bottle a day that you can dispense. Oh, that you've got a limit of a bottle a day. So it's a limit, but you can choose whatever factor you want. Okay. So, but you as soon as you, you know, so it, it's it's. So the the point there is that you can't go into sun cream production. Exactly. You yeah, yeah. You just... can't make any money off it, but you've got enough for you and your family. <laughs> 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 and what if you don't dispense the sun cream? Does it build up? Doesn't go on to say that. I don't know. Can't if, answer that. If it's a bit like breast milk, which is. Which, as we know, uh, if you don't if if you don't express it, if it's not used, then it sort of builds up uncomfortably, <laughs> right? Um, this is this is this is our world at the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, then, um, yeah, if it doesn't do that, then it's kind of not such a big deal because you could just ignore it, forget about it. Yeah, I think you know, I think it just sort of sits there and and once it's empty, it just replenishes. I don't think it would make you feel uncomfortable. But you could. You could just live your life never really having to use it. It never, it's never an annoying uh, thing that you have to deal with. Yeah. Whereas the hand of ham, even if you don't eat it, it's going to be, it's going to be greasy. Like if you try reading a newspaper, it's all going to be like, yeah, all stained and dark after a little while. And people are going to sort of say to you, um, "I'm sorry, I'm sure you get this all the time, but um, is, you, is your hand made of ham?" You'd be like, yeah. You'd be yeah. like, do you want uh, a nibble? Yeah, it is actually. <laughs> like, would you, you know, would you like some? And, you know, and they're like, uh, no, I'm a vegetarian, but I just, why is your hand made of ham? That's so weird. And would it smell on hot days? Probably, yes. It would yeah. probably sweat, wouldn't it? Like even Ugh. more, but in a bad way. It's, it's, yeah. it's probably best not even thinking. I would definitely go for the sun cream dispensing armpit. Anyway, that's the sort of stupid conversation you can hear on Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. 
which you can find on on the internet, of course. Anyway, Richard Herring is is quite active on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So what I was going to say is that um, every year on International Women's Day, he goes on Twitter and every time somebody makes a comment about, well, when's International Men's Day? He just tells them. He's, I think it's November the 28th, isn't it? He's like, it's November so. the 28th. Hello, folks. Quick fact check again here. International Men's Day is actually November the 19th, not the 28th, actually November the 19th. So every time we say November the 28th from now on in this conversation, just replace it in your head with November the 19th. Oh, thank you. He just does it every year. So he'll be on he'll be on Twitter for about 20 hours just answering idiot, <laughs> idiots and just making just shaming them, really. I think it's, it's quite it's yeah. quite impressive. But this year, he decided to raise money for charity. So he set himself a target of £15,000. So people would like, every time someone said, well, when's International Men's Day? He'd say it's on November the 28th and now pay a fine here. And he'd have a link to his fundraising page. Oh, I see. So he set himself a target of £15,000. And do you know how much he raised in a day? No, I don't. He raised one hundred and thirty grand. What? No, it was incredible. And it was for... Um, it was for a charity that provided shelter for victims of uh, domestic abuse. Yeah. So it was a really, really good cause. But just from doing, I just thought, I thought it was a really interesting story. The yeah. fact that it's coming out of people's um, ignorance that he created this this fundraising movement that he did for a day and he managed to raise all this money. So it's the, really quite impressive. So the thing is, right, so with International Women's Day, the point of that day is to celebrate women and to kind of because as we know in history women have been oppressed in various ways yeah less so obviously every every year arguably i mean they didn't have the vote for for such a long time in the uk they got the votes just after world war one and mm. the whole idea of international women's day is a way of recognizing women and paying attention to the challenges that they have which are, are unique and and the the argument being that all the other days in the year are, are already international men's day mm. and just as a way of sort of bringing some attention to that cause and then so on twitter what happens is people are tweeting about international women's day and and things that are going on for international women's day and there's always there are always guys whose response is to say, well, when's International Men's Day then? Because mm. when, I guess, women's rights are promoted, some men feel, instead instead of feeling like this is equality, they feel like it's a sort of somehow taking away the rights of men to yeah. celebrate yeah. or recognise women on a particular day of the year. And so their response is to go, well, when's International Men's Day then? With the idea that there is no International Men's Day and that this whole thing is completely unfair and sexist. But the whole point is that actually there is an International Men's Day. But yeah, it's just, it's, jo- it's jaw-dropping the amount of misogyny that comes out on days like today, on, on days like International Women's Day. And it's, uh, I think for him to shine a spotlight on these people and kind of call them out for their ignorance and their general dickish behavior mm. while still raising money and raising awareness for the cause i thought i just thought it was really really good but you know he got an awful lot of abuse f- for it as well on twitter from the same people that you know didn't like to be corrected and didn't like the fact that their their little 
tiny little world views were being challenged by somebody yeah and this is a sign of the times as well with uh, twitter there's just it is a great platform and all that stuff but it's also a place that allows people to be very abusive mm. um in their anonymity and so yeah he got lots of abuse for it then yeah okay yeah did i tell you i got twitter abused as well Hello, everyone. I'm pausing the conversation right there. Andy's about to tell us about how he got abused on Twitter. But you'll have to wait until part two to hear that story and the rest of the conversation and the results of our idioms game. But you might be thinking, Luke, why are you pausing here? Well, the whole conversation went on for about 90 minutes. And this time I thought that I would split it into two episodes, mainly because I want to take a bit of time to highlight certain features of language that you have heard already in the conversation, namely all the idioms that have come up so far, all of the idioms that Andy and I have used so far. We're focusing on idioms uh, in this episode. Uh, Now, you know that we're playing an idioms game in this one, and I wonder if you've been paying attention, trying to spot the idiomatic phrases that we prepared in advance. And remember, it was three uh, pre-prepared idioms each, so a total of six. But as well as the six pre-prepared expressions, there are actually loads of other ones that are just coming up naturally. It's quite interesting that when you actually uh, really pay attention to natural conversation and look out for them, there are actually lots of idioms that just come up. They're not obvious all the time, but little idiomatic expressions constantly come up in people's conversations in fairly sort of um, subtle ways. So what I'd like to do now is highlight all of the idioms which have come up so far. Um, I've listened back to the conversation, and I've made a list of all the idioms that I could hear, plus a few other little bits of vocab here and there. But most of them, the majority of the expressions I'm going to highlight here are idioms. In fact, um, I've picked out at least 25 idioms already, just from the first half of the conversation. Not just the pre-prepared ones, but also other ones that came up naturally. So let me now go through them. I'm not going to tell you which ones are the pre-prepared ones, except to say that only one pre-prepared idiom has been used in the conversation so far. Just one. So that's one out of the six pre-prepared ones. Only one has been used so far. The other five will come up in the next conversation. So I'll let you discover in part two which ones indeed are the pre-prepared idioms. So I'm not telling you which one, um, which pre-prepared idiom is actually in this in this conversation, in this episode. What I'm going to do, though, is explain every idiom that has come up in part two. And I'll let you guess, if you can, which one was the pre-prepared one. To be honest, it's very hard to guess because it was used it, it was inserted in, into the conversation very naturally, so it wasn't kind of really obvious that it was being used um, uh, uh, in a premeditated way. Okay, so anyway, let me go through every single idiom uh, that has come up so far in part one. So, by the way, you can see this list on the page for this episode on my website. So, I'm going to go through this fairly quickly because I, um, well, I just don't want, the, want this to go on forever. Um, anyway, so here is some intel on Andy J to bring you up to speed. You heard me say that. Here's some intel on Andy J to bring you up to speed. So we've got intel and then to bring you up to speed. Intel is just short for intelligence. And intelligence really just, it means a number of things, of course. But in this context, here's some intel on Andy J. 
There it means intelligence, meaning information. So intelligence in this sense means information, but it's a word used by like the secret service or the army or something like military intelligence. For example, you might hear a sentence like, you know, our agents have collected some valuable bits of intelligence, or maybe what's the intel on the British Prime Minister's security guards? So it's the kind of thing you would hear on like a TV show like Homeland or something, intelligence or intel, meaning sort of tactical uh, military information. So um, I'm using it there. I mean, you know, here's the here's some intel on Andy J. I could have said here's some info about Andy J, but I chose to use I guess the word intel just because it felt more fun. Here's some in because it you know I like to imagine I'm in Homeland and Andy J is like um a you know someone that we're profiling or something. Anyway, here's some intel on Andy J to bring you up to speed. So to bring someone up to speed means to give someone the latest information so that they are as informed as everyone else. For example, hi, welcome back. Welcome back. You've been off work for a couple of days, but welcome back. And let me just bring you up to speed on where we are with the negotiations. Okay, so I'm just going to kind of give you an update on where we are with the negotiations. Uh, You heard Andy say, if Swedes have beef with anybody, it's with the Norwegians. So we were talking about the relationship between Swedish people, Danish people, Swedish people and Norwegian people. Um, And uh, he said, if Swedes have beef with anybody, it's with the Norwegians. So to have beef with someone means to have a complaint to make about someone or something, or to have a long-running resentment or grudge against someone. Uh, Like maybe someone did something bad to you in the past and you felt bad about them ever since. Like this kind of feeling of a negative resentment or like you want to take revenge. You hear this sort of thing quite a lot in rap music. Let's say, for example, the no- the famous rapper, the notorious B.I.G., let's say he insulted Tupac, another rapper. Maybe he said something about his mum. I don't know. So uh, Biggie, I don't know him. I, I, you know, obviously he's not with us anymore, but I didn't, I wasn't on sort of nickname terms with him. But um, anyway, let's call him Biggie. So Biggie insulted Tupac and then Tupac had a beef with Biggie. Yeah, I don't normally speak in this kind of hip-hop slang. It feels wrong for me to speak in those terms, but it's fun. So, Notorious B.I.G. maybe cussed Tupac's mum, his mother, and then Tupac had a beef with him. I sound like Alan Partridge there. You don't know who Alan Partridge is, do you yet? Not yet. You will. I'm going to do an episode about that. Anyway, so this rapper insulted another rapper, and then the other rapper had beef with him. Uh, you could also say he had a grudge against him, and he had a score to settle with him. There, those are the next two expressions. So if you're holding a grudge against someone, it means you have a long-running bad feeling against them, probably because of something that happened in the past, in the same way that you could say to have beef with them. For example, Mike stole Dave's girlfriend, so Dave has had a grudge against him ever since. Or, you know, Andy Murray has had a grudge against Nadal ever since he humiliated him in front of the crowds uh, of spectators at Wimbledon a few years ago. Or Obama made a joke about Donald Trump, and so Trump had a grudge against him. Uh, Trump had a beef with Obama. Okay, all right. Um, And you've got a score to settle with someone. If you have a score to settle with someone, it means you, you want or need to take revenge on someone. 
Okay. Uh, and then I said, uh, and Andy, have you got your idioms? Uh, and Andy said, well, I've already used one. I think I might have jumped the gun a bit there. To jump the gun, to jump the gun. This comes from athletics. You know, at the beginning of a race, like the 100 meter sprint, uh, the, the runners all line up to get ready to start and uh, someone at the side fires a gun and that's when they know they should start running. And if you jump the gun, it means you start running before the, the gun has been fired. Okay, and um, I think if you do that several times, you can be disqualified from the race. But anyway, to jump the gun comes from athletics, and it means to do something too quickly, like, for example, runners who start the race before the gun. In this case, Andy used an idiom before the game had actually started, so he jumped the gun to do something before you're supposed to do it. Um, Andy said, Swedes use Norwegians as the butt of a joke. So if you are the butt of a joke, it means you're the object of the joke, the target of the joke. For example, for years, the Irish were the butt of a lot of jokes in England. So the English people used to make a lot of jokes about the Irish. The Irish were the butt of many jokes in England, which was not fair or not very nice. And it's not really appropriate to do that anymore. Um, You could say there's some bad blood between the two of them. Some bad blood between them. So we've got to have beef with someone, to hold a grudge against someone, to have a score to settle with someone, uh, and now to have bad blood between two people. So bad blood is basically a bad feeling between two people because of something that happened in the past. So like, you know, there's bad blood between Dave and Mike because of something that happened with Dave's girlfriend. And there's been bad blood between them for, for, for years now. Okay. Um, Another thing you heard was this, a meaning that might not be obvious if you take them on face value. So I was talking about idioms. I was saying that it might not be obvious what the meaning of an idiom is if you take the idiom on face value. So if you take something on on face value um, or take something at face value, it means that you just accept something as the way it is without realising that there is a deeper meaning or another aspect to it. For example, if you take an idiom on face value, you might take it literally without realising that it actually has another meaning. Or if you, you know, you might take a joke on face value and not realise that it's a joke. You know, you might take it literally. Okay, like, for example, my Russian joke, uh, when I said it uh, live on stage that time, when the two Russian people arrived and I said, where are you from? Because they, they were arriving late. I said, where are you from? And they said, we're Russian. And I said, well, you weren't rushing to get here tonight. And I, I, I imagine that they took it on face value. They were thinking, well, no, we are Russian. Um, yeah, look, here are my passport. Here's my passport. Look, I am Russian. It's like, no, 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 no. You didn't realise. You just took it on face value. You didn't realise it had a double meaning. Take it on face value. So l- idioms, you've got to be careful with them too, because um, if you take an idiom on face value, for example, if someone says, well, that was a piece of cake. You're like, well, well it wasn't a piece of cake. It was, a, it was an exam. What, what are you talking about? So you, no, no, you're just taking it on face value. Um, yeah. Okay, that's the next idiom, actually, in my list. That was a piece of cake. You know that one. It means that was easy. And also we had, it's just not my cup of tea, which is one that everyone knows as well, which means I don't really like it. It's just not my cup of tea. Nice, nice idioms, those two. Nice, easy idioms that everyone knows. And it's, remember, with cup of tea, it's always negative. It's, you don't say, oh, that's my, it's just my cup of tea. No, uh, you'd say, that's just up my street. Uh, but um, it's always negative. Uh, if you don't like it, well, what do you think of Star Wars? Oh, I don't know, I've never seen Star Wars. It's, it's just not my cup of tea. Okay, now another one was, you've really hit the nail on the head there. 
To hit the nail on the head means to say exactly the right thing at exactly the right moment. Okay, yeah, exactly. You you just you hit the nail on the head. When you're hammering a nail into the wall, it's best when you hit the nail right on the head of the nail and then it will go in better. So it's just like to strike exactly at the right spot at the right moment and bim, you get exactly what you wanted. So to hit the nail on the head, it usually means when you say something that's exactly right at exactly the right moment. Okay, to hit the nail on the head. So, for example, you're trying to dis- you're talking about a situation, and someone summarizes the situation in a sentence. Yeah, exactly. You you just hit the nail on the head. Um, we had. Um, I was explaining the rules of the game to Andy and saying that we should try and fit the idioms into the conversation without them being too obvious. And I said the idioms shouldn't stick out like a sore thumb. So if something sticks out like a sore thumb, it means it's really obvious or it's really different from the surroundings or from the other things. Like, uh, what else? What could be... Like, okay, when I was um, living in Japan, I remember I went to a, a concert. I went to a concert. I saw a guy called Money Mark who used to be the keyboard player for the Beastie Boys. Anyway, I went to see Money Mark uh, at a small venue in Tokyo and the audience was full of Japanese people and then me, right? And I was taller than most of the people in the audience and also I don't look Japanese and at the time my hair was blonder than it is now just because as I've been getting older my hair has been going a bit darker as it does you know but uh, I was blonder and uh, and taller than everyone else and so um, Money Mark while he was playing the keyboards I swear was looking at me uh, for a lot of the time I was standing in the middle of the room and I'm sure that my I was kind of almost head and shoulders above everyone else in the crowd so he must have just seen this sea of like dark Japanese uh, heads all his Japanese hair and then just me popping up uh, above everyone and so I think I stuck out like a sore thumb in fact you know it's something I felt like all the time when I was living in Japan I'd walk down the street me like not really being able to fit in and I always felt like I stuck out like a sore thumb it was very difficult to sort of just discreetly walk down the street because uh, it was like hello I'm not from around here look at me I'm different I really stuck out like a sore thumb Okay, a sore thumb. If you hit your thumb with a hammer, it'll get sore and it'll swell up and it'll stick up. So being, and it'll, you know, be different to the other fingers on your hand. It'll be obvious. Stick out like a sore thumb. A lot of hammering in this episode so far. Yeah, anyway. Um... Uh, you shouldn't shoehorn them in. So I was saying to Andy, try to just put your idioms into the conversation naturally. Don't don't make it too awkward. You know, yeah, they have to slip in naturally. And I said, you, I think he said, you shouldn't shoehorn them in. To shoehorn something in means to force it in unnaturally. We talked about what a shoehorn is. It's like this kind of flat instrument that you would use to allow your foot to slip into your shoe more easily. People don't seem to use them anymore. What about you? Do you have a shoehorn at home? Do you? I mean, do you know where it is? Do you actually use it? Or is it just one of those objects that's lying around in your house somewhere? Oh, look at this. It's a shoehorn. Yeah, sometimes you get them free in a box with it. When you buy some shoes, there's a shoehorn in the box. And you go, that's great. Never going to use it. Anyway, a shoehorn. To to shoehorn something in, meaning to force something in unnaturally. In this case, you know, we shouldn't try and shoehorn the idioms in too much. Yeah, okay. Um, I'd like to find another example of that. I mean, you could say, for example, the restaurants outside our apartment here in France, they have um, they have some space on the pavement 
Uh, but in the summer, when everyone wants to eat outside, they squeeze loads of tables into all this. They really like shoehorn tables into every available space. Okay. Another example might be during the presentation, I wanted to try and make reference to something else that wasn't really relating to the topic of my presentation. Let's say, for example, I wanted to um, try and promote my book. I've written a book and I wanted to, you know, get some kind of promotion from the book in there. But the presentation was about something else. But I managed to kind of shoehorn my uh, uh, promotion into the presentation. Okay, like to force something in uh, when there isn't really much space for it. Okay, um, what was next? So uh, next thing was to include some unprepared idioms on the spur of the moment. The spur of the moment, S-P-U-R, uh, the spur of the moment. So that means to, if you do something on the spur of the moment, it means you do so do it on impulse without planning it in advance. You know, like, for example, we just, you know, I just bought some tickets to, to go to... Um, I just saw them advertised on the internet. I just bought some tickets to go and see the Rolling Stones. I just did it on the spur of the moment. Yeah, okay. They cost £100, but I just thought, oh, come on, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see the Rolling Stones before they die. Uh, So, okay, I'm just going to buy them. I just chose to do it on the spur of the moment. And also, in the episode, a lot of the idioms just came up and were used on the spur of the moment as well. Um, Andy said the Notting Hill Carnival goes on just on the doorstep of the London School. So if something happens or if something is on the doorstep of a place, it just means it's very close to the building. So the doorstep is the you know piece of stone just in front of the door. Sometimes doors have a little step just before the door, and that's the doorstep. Okay. Now, if something's on the doorstep, it doesn't mean it's literally, I mean, you know, this doesn't mean that the Notting Hill Carnival takes place exclusively on the doorstep of the London School of English. I mean, that would be a very small carnival. Maybe one guy, two guys, maybe a guy and a girl. I don't know. Uh, Or tiny miniature, a tiny miniature carnival on the doorstep. No, don't take it on face value. It's just an idiom. So uh, it means that it just happens in the local area. So London School is based in Holland Park and the uh, Notting Hill Carnival happens in Notting Hill. uh, And, uh, you know, that's just round the corner. It's just on the doorstep of the London School, meaning close to a a building. Um, uh, And he told the story about the the Father Christmas that uh, he visited uh, with his son in the cellar of a pub. And he said the guy was clearly half cut. Half cut means drunk. And he said he was sitting on the barrel, two sheets to the wind. And two sheets to the wind means drunk as well. Also, you could say three sheets to the wind too. All right. Um, um, I think I I think I said, did you ever have those socks? No, Andy said, did you ever have those socks with the days of the week on them? Because you can get socks with the days of the week. So you have like a pair of socks for Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. Um, and he's, and I think I said, oh yeah, that was a minefield. So if you have socks with the days of the week, it's a minefield. Um, a minefield literally is a place where landmines have been planted these are basically bombs that are hidden in the ground so that if you walk on that land or if you drive a vehicle over the land they they will explode it's horrible absolutely horrible weapons used in war but also so a minefield is a space where lots of mines have been planted on the ground 
All right, but we do use the expression, it's a minefield, to talk about a very difficult situation in which problems are very likely to happen. So you need to take great care, you need to be very careful. So with the subject of the socks, it's a minefield because what's obviously going to happen is if you're not careful, you're going to mix up Monday's socks with Wednesday's socks and you're going to have like a a Tuesday sock on your left foot, you're going to have a a Friday sock on your right foot, you're going to have a Thursday sock on your other foot and before you know it you've got three feet and you've got different socks on all of them so it's a minefield um okay so a recipe for disaster just a um a difficult situation in which problems are very likely to happen so you need to be very careful like for example I know if you're going to give a presentation about um I don't know um if you're going to give a presentation about uh uh sexually transmitted diseases at a, a, a Catholic school, uh, oh, it's a minefield, isn't it? You're just going to offend someone. You're going to get into trouble. Don't even do it. Just cancel. Cancel. Why are you doing that presentation anyway? Was that your idea to do a presentation about sexually transmitted diseases at the cat, Catholic convent school? For No, just don't. Just cancel. Pull out. Pull out of it. Pull out of it. Well, yeah, that's what I, that's one of the things I'll be saying in the presentation, actually. Just pull, pull out. It's one of the ways of preventing a sexually transmitted disease. That was an un- unintentional joke that I just came up with. If you didn't get it, rewind and listen again. Um, although, don't. Just carry on. Okay, so, um, a st- Andy mentioned a streetwalker. I said, wait, what's a streetwalker? Remember, he was talking about how he... This is also a bit of a minefield, this subject, because it's potentially offensive. Anyway, it's not. don't get offended. We're not trying to offend anyone. Um, Andy talked about how they bought... Him and his wife bought uh, a, a gift for their friend's uh, child. Uh, they bought the friend... Like a, a skirt made of uh, denim. But it turned out to be far too small. And so when the girl wore it, it was like very... It looked inappropriate. Like she was wearing this denim miniskirt. It made her look like a streetwalker. Uh, it made her look like a lady of the night. And I said, what's that? What's a streetwalker? I know what it is, but I thought that uh, you, the audience, might not know. And I said, you're going to have to spell it out. So a streetwalker or a lady of the night is a prostitute, basically. Uh, it's Those are both both sort of euphemistic expressions to mean a prostitute. A streetwalker, a lady of the night, both meaning a prostitute. Okay, so if you don't want to say the word prostitute directly, you could say she's, well, they thought she was, um, they, you know, a, like a streetwalker, you know, like, like a lady of the night, you know, uh, meaning a prostitute. And I said, what, a, what do you mean? You're going to have to spell it out. So to spell something out means to make it absolutely clear. Doesn't mean to spell it letter by letter. It just means to explain it so it's nice and clear. Um, uh, Andy said, what's amazing is how, is how many trolls creep out of the woodwork on International Women's Day. We know what trolls are. These are people who write abusive um, things intended to cause offence or intended to upset people uh, on the internet. Trolls. So it's amazing how many trolls creep out of the woodwork on International Women's Day. To creep out of the woodwork, we've had this expression on the podcast before, it's a negative expression. It's used to criticise people. And it means when people who are previously hidden or previously silent 
reveal themselves and their opinions. So that means these people, these guys were, you know, holding on to their um, offensive views. And then on International Women's Day, they suddenly reveal themselves and suddenly reveal their opinions. So all these trolls come out of the woodwork on International Women's Day. I mean, I guess that these these guys who we're calling trolls, for them, they feel like uh, International Women's Day is somehow sexist against men. Um, this is the point that I was making before, that they view what is intended to be a day in, in, to promote equality. They view this equality as being an attack on their freedom or their status. Anyway, it's a complex issue. Um, I said, if you're feeling a bit peckish and you eat your thumb... The thumb will grow back. Remember that? You've got four fingers and a thumb on your hand. If you're feeling... We're talking about when you... If your hand is made out of ham. Just a stupid idea, but quite a fun thing to talk about. If you're feeling a bit peckish, you can eat your thumb. So peckish means hungry. A bit hungry. It's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a bit peckish. I think I'm going to have an apple. A bit hungry. Peckish. Um, it's jaw-dropping the amount of misogyny that comes out on days like this. If something's jaw-dropping, it means that it's surprising and amazing. It makes your jaw drop open. Uh, Like, wow, jaw-dropping. Okay, Uh, jaw-dropping. And another one relating to the the face or the body is it's eye-opening. If something is eye-opening, it's like, wow, you know, it makes your eyes open wide. So if something is eye-opening, it's really surprising and you learn something new from it. You learn something you didn't know before. Wow, that was an eye-opener. That was really eye-opening, meaning like, you know, we watched a documentary about the food industry and it was really eye-opening. Like, you know, it was amazing and surprising and we learnt new things from it. Um, And we were talking about Richard Herring and the way he uh, revealed um, people's misogyny on Twitter on International Women's Day. And he said, for him to shine a spotlight on these people and to call them out for their ignorance and their general dickish behaviour while still raising money and raising awareness for the cause, I just thought it was really, really good. So to shine a spotlight on someone means to bring attention to someone. Okay, so bring everyone's attention to something or someone. To shine a spotlight on a a problem or shine a spotlight on a person, bring attention to that person. Like, for example, in a theatre, pointing a a theatre spotlight on someone on stage, it kind of brings everyone's attention to that person to shine a spotlight on someone. And to call someone out for something is similar. It means to publicly bring attention to someone's bad actions in this case. So if shining a spotlight on someone isn't because they've done something wrong necessarily, but to call someone out for something means that they've done something wrong. Like, hey, everybody, check out this guy. He criticised millennials. They called him out for criticising millennials. And then um, the next one is, um, who is this guy to slag off a whole generation? To slag someone off means to criticise someone in a really unpleasant way. And this is a slightly rude expression, you should know. know, Slagging someone off means criticising someone in a nasty way. And the expression itself is a little bit rude sounding. So there you go. That's the end of the idioms in this episode. There are more in part two, and there should also be a bit at the end of part two where I explain the vocabulary in that one as well. Now, I think this is really useful when I do this. I hope you agree. Now, I think what would really help you now is if you listened to the conversation again. Now, you might think, well, I've already heard it once, but and I'm here I am saying I think you should listen to it again because 
it's going to be good for your English. Don't underestimate how useful it is to hear things several times. It really helps to reinforce things, especially since I've just highlighted lots of the idioms and things. So now I've highlighted the idioms, listen to the conversation again, and I 100% promise you that you will notice them more easily, and you're also far more likely to remember them and to be able to notice them again in the future. Listening to conversations I have on my podcast with my guests is definitely important, but I think that just highlighting some of the language that you've heard by picking out certain phrases, repeating and explaining them, I think this can this can make a crucial difference when I do this. I think this can make a crucial difference in your ability to really learn English from my episodes, and it's something I think is valuable, and I'm looking at ways of introducing this sort of thing more permanently. For example, an idea I'm thinking of, and I'm nearly ready to do it, to implement it, this idea that I've got in the pipeline, would be to introduce a paid premium service for just a few, like, euros or dollars or pounds a month, just a few, like, uh, pounds a month, for example, uh, a paid premium service where you'd get regular language review episodes where I go through language that you've heard in normal episodes of the podcast. The episodes would be available to premium subscribers in the app, uh, but not just in the app, also online via a computer on a website, okay? Uh, now, preparing language reviews, like the one I've just done quickly in at the end of this episode here, it's actually very time-consuming for me, and it adds a lot more work uh, than just preparing a conversation, recording it, editing it, and publishing it as a free podcast. Doing the language review too really like multiplies the amount of work because I have to listen carefully to the conversation again. I have to note certain language features and then you know spend time clarifying them uh, on on the podcast, uh, like I've just done in this episode. Uh, that does take quite a long time, but a paid premium subscription option would allow me to do that more properly and regularly and it would mean that my time and work is being rewarded so I'd actually it would be worth doing and you'd get really valuable episodes extra episodes in which I explain the language that you've heard but you might have missed I don't do these little language reviews in every episode where I have conversations with my friends and family just because I can't a lot of the time it's just too much extra work for me but if I created this paid premium uh, option it would mean that I that would pay for the time I could spend. Hopefully, eventually, if I get enough people um, subscribing to it, I think it could help to make that extra work worthwhile for both me and you, okay? So let me know what you think about that. From your point of view, from your end, it would be like this. You could sign up for LEP Premium online through my host, Libsyn, on the website, and you'd need to pay a little bit of money per month, not that much, probably just the price of a pint of beer per month for me. You know, like imagine just buying a pint of beer for me once a month. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. And then you'd be able to sign into my app and you'd get access to a certain number of premium episodes every month. You could get them in the app or you can get them on a website too. So it's not just in the app, but the fact that they would also be available in the LEP app would be super convenient because I expect that most of you listen to this when you're out and about on your mobile device. So those extra premium episodes that you get every month would be primarily about language. I do various types of episode on Luke's English podcast. Some of them don't involve language teaching or a language focus. 
often they they are just episodes where I'm producing content which I hope will be interesting and engaging for you to listen to and of course it's all good for your English because you're getting valuable exposure to the language and I am here to help you know uh, even if I'm not explaining or teaching language in my episodes hopefully I'm able to communicate and talk to you in a way that sort of connects with you as as a learner of English but the premium episodes would be all about language and mostly they would involve me explaining, clarifying and demonstrating English that you'd already heard occurring naturally in normal episodes of Luke's English podcast. So they'd be like language review episodes with me highlighting and developing and broadening and you know helping you really learn language rather than just hearing it. You'd also have all of my advice and my explanations. You would be able to listen to all the normal episodes of Luke's English podcast and then several premium episodes too which would explain clarify and expand on the vocab grammar and pronunciation that you'd heard coming up naturally in normal episodes do you get the idea i'm i'm all i'm also planning to include other things for the premium package which would include for example finishing off a phrasal verb a day that would there are uh, currently 139 episodes of a phrasal verb a day when i finished doing it i kind of put the project on pause at episode 139 for some reason i'm slowly adding those 139 uh, phrasal verb episodes into the app at the moment so that they're the 139 or 140 of them will be always available free but the rest and i'm hoping to do 365 the rest of them would be part of the premium package i think honestly the only way i can continue the phrasal verb episodes is if they're part of a premium package because i just can't justify just doing them free you know you understand don't you and don't worry if you can't get the lep app you would still be able to access the premium content from a computer on the premium page so anyway this is all in the pipeline Things move a little bit slowly here at Luke's English Podcast headquarters, but I'm getting there. In the meantime, let me know what you think of the idea. Also, get the LEP app. Uh, more free extra stuff keeps popping up in there. I keep adding more stuff. I recently uploaded, uh, I recently uploaded episode 518B, which is part two of the Grammar Questions episode. Remember that? I think that's probably the the previous episode of the podcast, episode 518. It was Grammar Questions Part 1. Well, I've, I've added Part 2 only in the app. So get the app, check it out. Um, there's lots of stuff there that you should find useful about uh, things like uh, verbs hope and will and also relative clauses and some other bits and pieces too about grammar. Also, sign up for the mailing list on the website if you haven't already done that. Um, but that's it. Time for me to go now. Uh, I'll speak to you again with Andy, too, in part two of this episode, where you will learn some more idioms and also find out what happens in our idioms game in the end. Thank you so much for listening. I'll speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. 